Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com It's April 14th, 1999. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie, the Retrospectors. Parker, wicked. It was today in history in 1999 that fresh faced 24 year old Jamie Oliver first brought his own TV series to British screens. It was called The Naked Chef, but he was fully clothed, and it changed the culture forever so that British men blokes, geezers, wicked, felt more comfortable <laughs> cooking at home. Well chuffed, sorted. <laughs> You've just distilled series one into a single series of catchphrases. <laughs> yeah, it's funny looking back just how basic some of the techniques that he describes and the ingredients he describes are, but that's partly because he helped to popularise them. I mean, it's really cute hearing him say, this thing's called pancetta and you can find it in supermarkets yeah. now. Yeah. It's like the Italian version of our streaky bacon, he says. <laughs> like, oh, OK, I, I feel calmed and comfortable now you've made that comparison. <laughs> yeah, so the idea was that it was meant to be this stripped back thing, hence the title. He is also at pains to make that clear, even in the opening uh, title sequence, he, he says, that food has got to be a laugh before explaining that the naked part of the show's title is, he says this in the credits, it's not me, it's the food. And apparently he was legitimately nervous about the series <laughs> being named that because he, he worried that people, and specifically his mother, would think that he was working in porn or something. And I'm like, you don't need yeah. to worry about that. It, it is a legitimate show. <laughs> well, except I think you do have to worry about it a bit. And we'll talk about this, but... It's very clear that we're seeing young Jamie through the female gaze, mm, I would say. Yes. You know, the, the, there's a female voice off camera, uh, which belonged to the producer Pat Llewellyn, who created the show for Optimum, who's asking him questions, which he's then responding to. And that gives a sense of it kind of being a bit fluid and a bit loose and a bit chatty and a bit young. But also, it's kind of like you're looking a lot more at his face and mm. his golden locks than you typically would be, I feel, in a cookery show of the era. True. And he's, I, I mean, you know, calling it the naked chef and having this woman asking him questions whilst he's cooking, just, there's an element of fetishization <laughs> there too. But they actually sent the crew down to watch Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels so that they could get inspiration stylistically, you know, the filming techniques and the sort of jump cuts and all of that. And that, again, was uh, Llewellyn's idea. And it also was the reason behind why she she has this kind of back and forth with him, which was also in part because Jamie was still a very untested uh, character at this stage and he didn't feel really comfortable talking straight down the barrel of the camera and so there was this kind of conceit where he was being interviewed as he went. Yeah, they did film a more conventional pilot first in which he was talking down the barrel of the camera and he just came across as wooden and nervous and young and rabbit in the headlights mm. and she wanted some of that energy that she'd seen in in the kitchen at the River Cafe, which we should talk about. So mm. she spotted him in another documentary in the background chopping some onions at the River Cafe. So he'd come out of culinary school having helped out his parents' pub in Essex. Then he went to work for the River Cafe and Carluccio's. And he was literally in the background of a documentary about something else. 
And she, this producer who'd also discovered the two fat ladies uh, and later Gordon Ramsay for TV too, spotted him and took that to the controller of BBC Two and said, we we should do a show with him. You can find his first appearance, the bit that did make the cut in the show about the River Cafe uh, on YouTube. And at least the bit where he is on camera that made it into the show isn't massively inspiring. I mean, he's still Jamie, but you can tell that there's something about him. But he really is just a guy making pasta. And it's it's all of like 30 seconds. He goes, look, you chuck this in there and you chuck that in there. And Bob's your uncle. Here you go. And then he takes it out to like the the pass. And that's his role. And they carried on that documentary style of filming when it came to making The Naked Chef as well. And, uh, you know, telling of where he was at this time in his life, he and his girlfriend, later wife Jules, moved into the flat that they rented for the show because it was bigger. They thought, well, this is great. We'll just live in the we'll live in the <laughs> stage flat. And, you know, you were saying, Ollie, about it being seen through the female gaze. It's that documentary style of filming that tells you, you know, subconsciously that Jamie himself is the subject as mm. much as the food. Mm. You know, you see as much of his face as you do of the actual ingredients he's cooking with. The edit is so frenetic, actually, that it's hard to imagine anyone following the recipe based on the TV show, but it's about vibes, you know? Yeah, because the conceit is that in each episode, he's tackling a different problem that might have cooking as the solution. You know, your mates are dropping around and you haven't thought about what to cook them, or it's your girlfriend's birthday and you haven't thought about what to cook her, or you know, like... Or, or you need to make custard tarts for a day at the dog track. Y- that one may be not so relatable. Yeah, or yeah, JK from Jamiroquai drops around and you've got to <laughs> suddenly make all of this food for his band. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the idea was that they had real life kind of settings and then he cooked within that sort of plot line and that was how you ended up with these uh, recipes. But also, you know, I think that the nature of the approach, that that very have-a-go simplicity also just was a huge shift from everything that was going on at the time in terms of this sort of restaurant-grade output that was being espoused by other shows. And here was a guy who'd never measured anything and it was all a glub of this and a a dollop Mm. of that. And that was very seductive for people who weren't into cooking and wanted to find a way in. Yeah, there's one episode of The Naked Chef where he's talking about the canapé lessons that he received at Catering College. Uh, And he says, the flavour to work effort was in my eyes completely wrong. I'm not a volivant man. It's too much time. And it is that thing of just like, glug of this, bit of that, which somehow I think ties into Britain beginning to feel itself, which is happening Mm. at this moment. I was listening to Absolute Radio 90s actually today by complete coincidence whilst I was researching this episode. (laughs) And it really helped me get into mode. Yeah. Because it's so of this kind of Britpop new Labour era, isn't it? Where it's like, we don't have to worry about what the French do and what the Italians do anymore. We can have our own bold, tasty cuisine instead of the your parents ate. And it can be informal. And it's so Britain in the 90s. Like Mm. it couldn't be any other era that this attitude came from. Yeah, it's peak cool Britannia. And you had, you know, Nigella had just started on TV the year before. And obviously at the time they had very different personas. I suspect less so now. They're really just middle class mums and dads on TV. They're basically the same thing. But at the time they were, you know, the new young and sexy TV chefs. And both of them leaned heavily on the idea that you were also getting a look into their cool and sexy 90s London lives. You know, that was was the appeal more so than the food. Yeah, well, I mean, the food also was appealing enough to shift 1.2 million cookbooks 
by December 2000. You know, they started selling immediately, but then they kept selling. You know, the Jamie Oliver empire, obviously, now uh, encompasses nearly 30 television series, 23 books, a now-folded magazine, a YouTube channel, supermarket collaborations, an MBE, like just everything. Also, the restaurant chains that he put up, which didn't necessarily go his way. But, you know, this huge amount of products that came out of this one moment. Yeah, although you just, I think, quite unfairly there, just listed the MBE that he got <laughs> as part of his empire. I mean, you're awarded an honour, aren't you? And he got one at a very young age. If an MBE for... isn't part of empire, I don't know what he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, which he, he was awarded in 2003 for setting up 15, which was mm. his restaurant that had this kind of philanthropic edge for young chefs. And... 2003. I mean, it's only four years after this. So he's still in his you know, mid to late 20s when he got his MBE. It really shows how he had this rapid rise from this, from being this kind of like relatable, mm. cocksure, simple food, object of desire, to actually being a really serious business person who had a really, I think, mature idea about how to build this business, which he's ended up doing over the 20 years since. Yeah, I mean, Jamie made cooking look fun and laddie and it was cool and you just threw this and here and this and that. But what that actually did functionally was it took away the excuse that cooking is too difficult and too daunting a skill for an untrained person, especially a male untrained person, to approach. And also the fact that it showed a man cooking not in a restaurant kitchen, but for his family and friends in a domestic setting. You know, lots of the mm. plots of the episodes revolved around, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday or the in-laws are coming over for lunch. You know, that was previously the domain of female female, you know, TV cooks, while male chefs would normally be presenting from a restaurant or a stage kitchen, or, you know, if you were Keith Floyd on a boat that was like rocking in the middle of the ocean while you downed a bottle of wine. <laughs> he told the Press Association in 2018 that he'd actually been on the receiving end of verbal abuse and even a couple of punches from men who took issue with his TV fame and the impact that it had on their relationships with their girlfriends. Wow. Well, because they expected them to be able to cook. Yeah, he said, for girls around the country, young and old, when their husband said, what's for dinner? They said, see that boy, he's 23 years old. If he could cook for his missus and all his friends, look what he's cooking. It's simple. He's getting his hand in there. And they went, go on. And I think that could be inspiring for lots of people. I felt very inspired by the idea that, you know, he's saying, I'm really, I'm a really good chef, but you don't need to be precise. And you can be very sort of slapdash and still turn out wonderful food. And I think that was really, really seductive for a whole lot of people. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it that way before, but it's true. The reason he was able to do it all off the cuff was because he was a highly trained professional yeah. chef. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Carluccio could have done the same thing. If yeah, he was on yeah. TV, he could have thrown handfuls of chopped onion into a bowl because he knew exactly how much to use as well. Yeah. But it was the presentation of it as being like, this is just something that you can do. If you toss things haphazardly the way I toss them haphazardly, yeah. you'll end up with an edible product at the end. Yeah. And of course, the truth is that all the measurements have been done beforehand into little glass bowls, haven't they? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. Like you... Those little glass bowls never seem to appear on my kitchen side no, when yeah. I'm ready to <laughs> So you can chuck it in if some, you know, if a home economist has already measured it out. <laughs> <laughs> and so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 